about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. If you haven't met me before, my name is Jill, and we are about to spend some time reading the Bible. Uh, so the Bible reading for today is John chapter 16, and it's uh, from verses 1 through to verse 15. So um, let's start. John 16, at verse 1. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Good evening, folks. Uh, really good to be with you. If you don't know me, my name's Andrew Errington. Uh, it's my, that's my name, even if you do know me, but um, I, I wish I could see you in person, um, but it's a great pleasure to be with you this evening and, and talking to you from this wonderful part of Scripture. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, we would really love it if we could go away this evening or continue on this evening and head into the new week enriched by your living and active word, spoken afresh into our hearts. Would you teach us of yourself and your work this evening, for Jesus' sake. Amen. On the night before Jesus died, <clears throat> the disciples felt a whirlwind of feelings, but perhaps most of all they felt grief. Your hearts are filled with grief because I have said these things. 
says Jesus in verse 6 of our passage. As Jesus talked to them about what was to come, they seemed to have been increasingly weighed down by one point in particular, that he was really leaving them. If we think about it, I reckon we can sympathise. Imagine being in this position. Imagine following this man, this wonderful, captivating man for years of your life. Imagine giving up many of your plans for him, working with him, learning from him. Imagine the excitement and the joy and the challenge. And then imagine suddenly realising that there was no triumphant twist in store. That he was really leaving. That he meant what he said. He was going away and he wouldn't be there anymore. Your hearts are filled with grief because I've said these things, says Jesus. I think it's easy for us to feel something similar at the moment. Not the same. Uh, That was a unique experience, that moment, a unique kind of time, uh, the last night. But similar. The similar thing that we can feel is this, that our journey with Jesus has turned out to be harder and less straightforward than we expected. We can easily feel, I think, that our experience of faith, our experience of church and of God is not quite right. That something is missing, perhaps, or that something somewhere along the line went wrong. Why, we might secretly ask ourselves, Why isn't my faith more powerful or more fulfilling? We can feel kind of unsettled, discontent, like things just don't quite fit, like church and faith feel like wearing the wrong sized shoes. It's especially easy at this time, I think, to feel even a creeping sense of, of grief in our hearts. Perhaps a little like the disciples, our hearts are weighed down at the moment by an undefined sense of loss. And that sense can make us doubt. It can make us worry about our faith and whether it is all really worth it. In John chapter 16, though, which we're looking at this week and next week, Jesus speaks to this grief the disciples feel. Now is the time of your grief, he will say in the passage we'll look at next week. Now is the time of your grief, but your grief will turn to joy. It's a timely word for us, I think. In the passage before us today, Jesus speaks to the disciples' grief by telling them about the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he says, he's going away. But actually, this is for their good. And the reason is that then the Spirit will come. Verse 7, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that's the word Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit in these chapters, the name he uses, the advocate will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus has to go so that the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit can come. And that will be his greatest gift to them of all. So come with me, uh, because what Jesus does is he then explains why this is the case. He tells them why the Spirit is such a blessing, why it's for their good. And he tells them about three things. First, the Spirit's relationship to the world. Secondly, the Spirit's relationship to them. And thirdly, the Spirit's relationship to himself. Um, And if we can understand what Jesus says here in these, these words, I think it can really help us as we face anxiety and confusion today. It can help us see that God does actually know what he's doing in this world and in our lives. And even though it can be uncomfortable and difficult at times, it it really is good. So do come with me as we look at these three things in turn. First, the first thing Jesus tells the disciples about is the Spirit's relationship to the world. If I go away, Jesus says, I will send the advocate to you. And what will he do? Well, verse 8, have a look. When he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, the advocate, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus tells the disciples here about the Holy Spirit's work in relation to the world. He's already said, as we saw last week, that what the Spirit is going to do is to testify about him. The Spirit's work is to give testimony about Jesus. And the first thing that this means is that the Spirit will become a prosecutor. The Spirit will prove the world wrong or convict the world. The Spirit will prosecute a case against the world like a prosecuting barrister in a criminal trial. And what is this case? Well, it is about sin and righteousness and judgment. That is, it is about every aspect of right and wrong and the doing of justice. And on every point... The Spirit will show that the world is in the wrong because it is wrong about Jesus. The world is in the wrong about sin because people do not believe in Jesus. On this one critical point, the decision that is ultimately decisive, whether or not to believe in the Lord's Messiah, His Chosen One, the one on whom God's special blessing is focused. On this critical point, the world has gone the wrong way. The world will be shown, too, to be wrong about righteousness. That is, about what is truly right and just. Because, Jesus says, because he is going to the Father. Now, how does that work? What's that about? Well, the point is that the world's judgment on Jesus that he should be put to death, is the exact opposite of God's judgment on him, the exact reverse of it. 
the world decided that Jesus should be killed, or at least that it didn't matter if he was killed. Frankly, it would be easier if he was out of the way. But God will raise Jesus up and exalt him to the highest place. He will vindicate him and say, there is the one who is in the right. And so the world will be shown to be just profoundly wrong about righteousness, about justice, about what is right and true and good, because its assessment was the exact polar opposite of God's. And thirdly, the world will be shown to be wrong about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned, says Jesus. The prince of this world means the devil, the evil one. And the devil will be, he already is, says Jesus, condemned. Condemned by what happens in Jesus, by Jesus' death and resurrection. Evil is overthrown. The captain of all of this, all that is wrong with this world, loses. But the world fails to get this right. The world continues to think that the ways of evil, the ways of corruption, the ways of sheer power and violence, perhaps these will turn out to be the right ways. Perhaps these will be the ways that win. But the world is wrong because Jesus has been exalted and the devil overthrown. Friends, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in this world. He is drawing the eyes of the world to the cross and resurrection of Jesus and in so doing, showing that the world has made a terrible, damning mistake. We are in the midst of a great courtroom drama, friends. That's what it means to be Jesus' followers, to be Jesus' disciples. We are watching a great courtroom drama unfold as the Spirit prosecutes a case against the world. Court cases can be exciting and dramatic. They can also be stressful and tragic. And all of that is to be expected from the Christian life. For God will not allow the cross to be ignored. God will not allow the cross to be ignored. Now the center of the Spirit's work in this time, even in this day, of the coronavirus and swirling nonsense and climate catastrophe and grave injustice, the center of God's purposes is to show people the death and resurrection of Jesus and to show them that there, at that point, the decisive judgment of God was given. And to bring us all to repentance before it. This is the case the Holy Spirit is prosecuting in this world. And the Christian life will be full of its drama. Well, that's the first thing Jesus tells the disciples about the work of the Holy Spirit. The second is about the Spirit's relationship with them, with the disciples. And what he says here is that the Spirit will tell the disciples the truth from God. 
Have a look from verse 12. I have much more to say to you, says Jesus, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. We've already heard this name for the Holy Spirit in our sermons uh, in this part of John's Gospel, the Spirit of Truth. It's back in chapter 14. Now Jesus wants it to sink in. This is what the Holy Spirit is all about, he says, speaking the truth. And the truth he speaks is the truth the disciples need to hear that Jesus has not yet been able to tell them. The Spirit, you see, will continue Jesus' teaching. Teaching them the truth from Jesus. To put it differently, Jesus will continue teaching through the Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is continue the teaching of Jesus to the disciples. The Holy Spirit gives Jesus' teaching to the church. I think we could save ourselves a great deal of worry and confusion about Christian spirituality if we could really get hold of this point that the Holy Spirit's primary work is a work of teaching, guiding into truth. He is an excellent teacher. He knows how to work with us. He knows how to encourage us and challenge us just enough. And what this teacher is intent upon for us, for you, is that you know and live within the truth of Jesus Christ. Because that is what Jesus is intent on for us, for you. Jesus has things still to teach us. And that is what the Spirit is doing in this world. The Bible itself, and especially the New Testament, I have an actual paper Bible here. I commend them to you. Thank you, Mike, for reminding people of their existence. The Bible itself, and, and especially the New Testament, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The whole New Testament is evidence that the Spirit has been doing and continues to do exactly what Jesus said here that the Spirit would do to guide the disciples into truth and tell them what is yet to come. And that is why the Spirit's work today in our lives centers on the Bible and the reading and teaching of the Bible. For that is where and how the Spirit is at work, speaking the truth of Jesus. I'm not saying that the Spirit cannot do anything else or speak anywhere else. He can do whatever he wants. He's the living God. But what we know is that he has spoken here in fulfillment of these words of Jesus. In the Bible, we have the teaching of Jesus to his people by the Holy Spirit. The beating heart of Christian spirituality is the hearing of God's truth, the teaching of Jesus by the Spirit. That's what the Spirit wants to do in your life, to teach you the truth of Jesus and what he means. That's why we pay so much attention to the Bible in church and, and why I cannot 
commend to you highly enough such attention. Whether it's in your own personal devotions, that is just Bible reading by yourself at home, or in small groups or prayer triplets, or in listening to the word preached in church as you are doing now. This is absolutely what makes preaching worth doing. The fact that Jesus has things to teach us and the Spirit is at work doing that. But to what end? Why is this what the Spirit is doing today and in our lives? And why couldn't the Spirit be doing something else? Something maybe a bit less demanding of us and a bit more fulfilling? Well, we get the answer, or part of the answer, in the last part of the passage where Jesus tells the disciples about the Spirit's relationship to himself. The reason that the Spirit is doing what he is doing in the world and with the disciples is that the Spirit is simply obsessed with Jesus. Verse 14, Jesus says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. He will glorify me, says Jesus. Can we just pause on that for a moment? Jesus is talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father as Jesus called him in chapter 15. This is God's own spirit, his life breath that hovered over the waters at the creation, that holds all things together in being. The presence and power of the living God, that's who Jesus is talking about. And Jesus says, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's work is from and for Jesus Christ. For the Father has given all things into Jesus' hand, so that the one who was crucified, who was obedient unto death, might be exalted to the last glory. God's purpose, you see, Father, Son, and Spirit, His purpose is one. The Lord is not embarrassed about Jesus, about the humiliation of his human life and terrible death. The holy God is not ashamed of the one who is mocked and insulted and spat on and who convulsed to death at the hands of sinful men. No, God has gone all in on this one, on Jesus. He has given over to him all things and he has given his spirit to the work of bringing glory to him. And so the goal of Christian spirituality is the glory of Jesus. That is what God's spirit is at work towards in the world and in the church and in your life, my life, to draw our eyes to him to the one who was crucified and raised from the dead, 
the Spirit's work, your spiritual life is not, you see, mainly about you. It is about Him, about Jesus. The Spirit is not your servant, bent only on doing you good as you see it. No, what he wants is to do good to you by drawing you into the glorification of Jesus. He wants you to find your life, your fulfillment, your true good in turning your eyes upon him. Sometimes when we feel that things are a bit wrong in our faith, or when we feel unsettled, discontent, when we feel like these shoes don't quite fit. I wonder if what we're actually feeling is just the Spirit's obsession with Jesus rather than with us. I wonder if the shoes don't quite fit because what the Spirit wants is for us to grow into them and to learn to walk in them down the path He is leading that leads to the one in whose hands the Father has placed all things. That can be a kind of uncomfortable journey because it means coming to see that the world around us is profoundly in the wrong, uncomfortably in the wrong, much more in the wrong than we can see on the surface of things or like to admit. And insofar as we too are part of this world, and we are, and are shaped by it in all sorts of ways, and we are, we too are in the wrong. And the Spirit's work can be uncomfortable because it means hearing more truth than we can handle, more truth, more difficult truth than we care for. And because it means again and again being pulled out of ourselves and turned towards Jesus. But this is what we need. This is where our true good will be found. It is for your good that I'm going away, says Jesus. For then the Spirit will come and this is what he's going to do. The spiritual path Jesus wants to take us on, of witnessing the Spirit's prosecution of the world, of continuing to be instructed by Him in the truth, and of more and more seeing the glory of Jesus. It may not be what we want and what feels best, but it is. It is what we need. Jesus knew what He was doing with the disciples. He knows what he is doing with his church. He knows what he is doing with you and me. Jesus knows that what we need most is not just peace of mind or transcendence or mindfulness. What we need most is the bracing testimony of the spirit of truth. All of which is also just to say that it's okay sometimes to feel a bit weighed down and a bit lost. That is actually an okay part of the Christian life. 
I don't think we need to fear that something has gone wrong when that happens or doubt that we are where we should be because what the Spirit is doing even in such times, even now, is leading us out of darkness and into light. So turn your eyes upon Jesus again, friends. Now, this week, in this time, as you pray and read the scriptures and keep trying to learn from him, let the Spirit keep guiding you down this bumpy road of learning from Jesus and seeing his glory. For all the Father's good pleasure really is focused on him. And it is in finding him that we will find our true good. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.